0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode one 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 seven of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And thank you for joining us. As always on the podcast, today's show is brought to you by the good folks at RockAuto.com. and make selection, reliable, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com. to them Locked On sent you. Today's show will dive into what became a one twenty nine to one eleven win for the Hawks at home over the Orlando Magic on this Monday. The back-to-back was a sweep in positive fashion for the Hawks, which is nice and refreshing after a losing streak, of course. And Atlanta's now 5-1 and at home this season. Obviously, the competition level's been a little bit easier in home games, but they've taken care of that home court advantage and uh, now have to sort of right the ship on the road as well, but not for a little while here as they're at home this entire week. Generally, though, this is a very, very positive offensive performance from the Hawks, which we'll dive into in detail, but they scored efficiently and effectively throughout the game. 129 kind of tells that story, but also just on a possession basis, they did a very good job in this game scoring. Um, The approach was good. Ball movement was good. 32 assists, a season high for the Hawks. They shot 56% from the floor. In this game, it also had great balance. Uh, no one individual standout. You know, Trey Young was great in this game as he always, as he always is, as was John Collins. But um, there were four guys, four guys that had scored 20 points or more, six guys with double figures, and seven guys with eight points or more. So a nice balanced effort from the Hawks overall. And we'll get into all of it as we do on the show. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Hopefully you will continue to join us and subscribe to the podcast. And from there, we'll dive into the pregame context in this game. So... Um, If you missed it, I actually had to post an emergency podcast on Sunday evening, Um, and I will just explain this more, uh, I said it on yesterday's show because everybody didn't hear this, I had recorded and scheduled and edited all the stuff that was already posted, or was going to be posted, the uh, game recap from Hawks-Bucks on Sunday night, and it was a positive one from the Hawks, they obviously had a bounce back win, etc., and then just as I was logging off um, from doing that, the word broke about DeAndre Hunter and his injury, so... I recorded a very quick emergency podcast. Obviously, the loss of Hunter is brutal for the Hawks, um, both short term and long term. He's a you know a big, key, big, big key piece of their future and their present. But we got into all of that there, and uh, clearly, you know, we'll get into sort of the fallout of that continuously in the next couple of weeks. And the Hawks, um, you know, obviously going to be wet with him for a long time now. Um, in fact, as I was starting recording this, Sarah Spencer of the AJC reported um, that she was told the surgery went well for Hunter. On Monday, that's obviously a good sign, and um, there was an emergency podcast, again, that I want to plug, but also just to say that um, most of my quick thoughts are there, and the eight-week projected timeline is still in place for all parties, but obviously they were without him in this game, Uh, and Bogdanovich was actually questionable coming in, ended up um, playing in this contest, but I want to note this just as a point of reference, he's been on the injury report now for about two and a half weeks, um, October 28th is when he was placed on the injury report for the first time with right ankle soreness, and he's basically had had that injury, or at least that lingering issue, for the last two and a half weeks or so. He missed one game, that game in Utah in a back-to-back last week, but he's been, he's been questionable the last handful of games. Has been playing, but I think it's probably safe to say that Bogey's not exactly 100% healthy or he wouldn't be on the injury report every single game. Um, At any rate, he actually played and played pretty decently in this game. Obviously, offensively had it going at times, but worth noting that he's not probably his uh, 100% self at this point. The Magic did not have four guys that are key to them. Um, Jalen Suggs, the rookie lottery pick, did not play in this game, plus Markel Fultz, MCW, and Jonathan Isaac. The Hawks were 10.5-point favorites, according to our friends at Battleline.ag, in this game. Obviously, that's a lot. Orlando is not very good, which is certainly worth keeping in mind when approaching and evaluating this game. But it was a back-to-back for the Hawks and not for the Magic. So a rest disadvantage for Atlanta. Even without travel last night, you still want to be uh, the team that has more rest than the other. And the Magic were game offensively in this contest, but defensively they struggled to get stops the entire way, which we'll get into right now. So at the outset of the actual game itself... Kind of a weird start. There was actually a backcourt violation on the first possession of the game from Bogdanovich. That was kind of just a strange play. Um... One note early on is that Franz Wagner from Michigan, the rookie 6'9", 6'10", 4, was actually guarding Trey Young as a primary. And other than Ben Simmons, I can't think of anybody else that's quite as long and big as as, as Franz is trying to defend Trey. Um, he did not really, you know, nobody really presented Trey with too many problems in this game. I thought it was at least noteworthy that the Magic have all these guards, and they were ended up using this like combo forward on Trey, just as the um, Nuggets did with Aaron Gordon back on Friday of last week. Um, neither team, though, got any stops, really, in the early going. It was a lot of offense on all sides, quite frankly. Um, lots of exchanging buckets and uh, not a lot of resistance. So there were 32 points combined the first five minutes. The Hawks were 7-8 of on twos at the outset. Orlando was making threes. Both teams had six assists before the first break in the game. So it was also kind of continuous. There were not a lot of whistles. Just kind of a free-flowing, offensive-driven start on both sides. Um, rotationally for the Hawks, it was similar in some ways, to how it was on Sunday. They brought in DeLon Wright and Dilo Gallinari as the first subs, and they came reddish for, uh, right after that. But they actually sat Trey Young early, just as they did on Sunday, for about two and a half minutes or so, mid-quarter in the first. And they came back in um, with Lou Williams, actually, alongside him, and Capella also had a quick sub, and he returned. I don't always love the Trey lou minutes, but he ended up working out decently in this game. And they actually auto-benched Trey for a while with two fouls, And uh, amusingly, I always want to point this out, he he did have, actually end up with four fouls in this game, but um, they were very conservative with him, once again, with foul trouble. I don't always love that, but there you go. Um, The Hawks did kind of finally stall on offense a little bit when the bench came in the first time after they'd scored at a high level. They didn't score for about three minutes and uh, had six trips in a row, which they did not score a point. And Orlando actually built a six-point lead during that stretch. The defense um, did, I, I think... Annie up a little bit at at that point in time. It was sort of stiffening just a touch, which definitely helped to offset the offensive struggles. But from there, essentially, that was the only time the Hawks really scuffled the entire game offensively was that one stretch late in the first quarter. Um, But late, 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 and in fact, like the final minute, Gallinari hit a couple of threes in the last 40 seconds to cut the deficit from down down, uh, six or seven to down one at the end of the period. And again, offense was not the problem. They scored... A lot of points in the first quarter, 30 points, 120 offensive rating. They had 10 assists in the first quarter. Um, no free throws, but got to the line um, later on in the game a lot. Shot the ball well. The Magic did also you know, score well at the first quarter, but still sort of a back-and-forth, up-and-down kind of period. Uh, in the second, Gallinari got going even more. He actually scored 10 consecutive Hawks points dating back to the first quarter with those back-to-back threes. And they had two more jump shots early in the second. And I thought he actually played better on defense in this game, which we'll get into again later on. But he was definitely, I think, overall probably his best self of the season in this contest. Um, They used Capella plus the bench to start the second quarter. Uh, It was noteworthy to me that they did not play Gorgie Jang at all in this contest. It was Collins coming in for Capella when Trey came back in. And they brought Capella back quickly from there for Gallinari. The rotation, with the way that it broke, they had the starters out there for only four minutes um, late in the second quarter and then they actually brought in Gallinari um, you know, at, th- at the three minute mark and then they had actually kind of closed with Capella so kind of just a lot of stuff to sort through rotationally not a lot of consistency right now you know, part of that's the injuries to Hunter and then even uh, Kevin of Hurter went down in this game as well but it's just kind of uh, some experimenting going on with Nate in the rotation and we'll see how that sort of sorts itself out um, there was a nice challenge from Nate in the second quarter Uh, Collins got his third foul, at least it was called on him, on a charge going into a timeout, and McMillan rightly challenged, ended up winning that one, obviously you don't want to have to use your challenge in a first half play, that's a sort of a weird play, but it was Collins third, so it was kind of a high leverage call, ended up getting switched to a foul on the defense and free throws, so a good challenge there from Nate, There was a bizarre no call, uh, Trey Young kind of got ran over in the backcourt by Mo Bamba. It was like furious with, with a no call. Um, I was kind of surprised that it actually didn't get a technical foul at that point in time. But I think that the official probably knew that it was a, a sort of a mess up. And Sometimes refs will let you get away with more reaction when they know they missed the call. And uh, Trey was not very happy <laughs> in that moment. Um, other than that, though, the Hawks' offense definitely seemed to like kind of get going. They scored the last six points of the first half to go up by four. And again, offensively, a 122 offensive rating in the first half. 17 assists. Four turnovers, they played very, very well. Very balanced, one of the best halves this season from Gallinari, for sure. Um, Defensively, less so, but before we get to that, the offense took 19 threes, um, almost a half of their attempts from three, which is obviously something that I like to see efficiency-wise. Defensively, it was kind of hit and miss. They played reasonably well in sort of avoiding free throw attempts, um, but point of attack-wise, I thought it was not good for the majority of this game. You know, Perimeter-wise, guys like Trey and Bogey, um, were not at their best defensively. Lou Williams obviously never is uh, great defensively at the point of attack. Um, hurt him before he got injured, all that stuff. So I thought it was better for Capella, which we'll get into later on. But that was one thing that I'll probably circle if I had to pick out one weakness in the entire game. But especially in the first half, it was the point of attack defense and kind of letting the magic into the middle of the defense, and then from there um, executing. Reasonably well, but not uh, you know not elite by any means. They also lost the glass in the first half. The Magic had 12 second chance points before halftime, which helped them to kind of keep things interesting before halftime. But still, the way the Hawks played defensively in particular, to be winning at the half was probably pretty fortunate. And they were much better after halftime on the whole, which we'll get into in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. And the first of which is Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me. You're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The gen 4 theragun doesn't just feel good it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using theragun's signature percussive therapy which goes 60 percent deeper than vibration alone whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out an injury or just the stresses of everyday life there's no substitute for the theragun gen 4. the oled screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future just go to their site and check it out and the theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism, and honestly, you should use it because I use it, and uh, you absolutely should, too, to be relaxed to help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, we'll dive in now to what happened after the half in this game. And honestly, before the game even resumed, there was a little bit of a hiccup for the Hawks and it came with Kevin Herter's health. Just before the game was supposed to resume in the third quarter, the Hawks announced that Herter was going to be questionable to return with left hamstring tightness and uh, eventually they ruled him out about five minutes into the third quarter. They went with Solomon Hill. I know Hawks fans, at least a lot of them, don't like when they when they do that, but Nate has been very clear. I've said this a lot of times. I'll just say it one more time in this space. McMillan has said repeatedly that they like uh, Reddish in that second unit role, so that's kind of explains why they didn't start him in that spot. They put in Solomon Hill, who McMillan trusts kind of implicitly, particularly on defense, to execute. I thought Solo actually played pretty well in this game, but that kind of explains what happened there. He he didn't play a ton in the second half, but was at least part of the rotation after not playing at all in the first half. But um, we'll see on Herter. um, After the game, McMillan talked to the media about Kevin and said that Herter said, uh, we told him that he thought he might pull in the second half. There was just some tightness there, and they tried to stretch him out during halftime, couldn't get him ready to go, and they ended up uh, kind of pulling the plug there. So we'll see what his status is for Wednesday, but something to keep an eye on because the Hawks, of course, need him pretty badly right now without DeAndre Hunter available for the next several weeks. Um, As for the game itself, though, the Hawks put some distance between themselves and Orlando with a 10-0 run early in the third quarter to go by 14 points. That was the largest lead of the night at that stage. Uh, A couple threes by Trey and McDonavich. And Orlando did not score for, I believe, five trips in a row. Some nice blocks by Capella and Solomon Hill as well. Um, There were a bunch of runs, however, in that period with um, Orlando returning a a 9-2 run to get back within seven. Essentially, the entire third quarter was... Uh, run versus run versus run versus run, and the Hawks had the edge in that. But Orlando did sort of respond a few different times. Um, rotationally, there was one tweak that I want to point out. It was probably because Herder was not available. But instead of pulling Trey Young early like, like they had been doing the last three halves, they kind of let him ride at his normal rotation. Played about ten minutes or so. Um, they brought Lou Williams in first to play with him, and they took Trey out for Delon Wright at the two thirty mark or so of the third period. Um, other than that, though, not a, not a lot to get into. You know, defensively, it wasn't perfect from Atlanta in the third quarter, but there was a classic Lou for one scenario. If you're not familiar with this, Lou Williams is kind of legendary for a number of things. Um, of course, he's the NBA's all-time leading scorer off the bench for one. But my thing that I, I always think I was associate with Lou, other than playing uh, in Gwinnett County where I grew up, is that he is the master of the two for one at the end of quarters. Um, getting two possessions, maximizing your possessions, being smart about that. And it was a clinic put on here at the end of the third quarter with Lou scoring five points in the last 30 seconds, a couple of jump shots, doing it perfectly, executing that, and giving the Hawks a little bit of a small advantage as a result of that. And when that was over, the Hawks led by nine points. So even with some not great defense, um, Orlando did shoot well in the third quarter, but they had six turnovers. That's definitely worth pointing out, too. The Hawks extended their lead from four up to nine. And the Hawks shot it great in that period, 6% from the floor, 9 points for Trey, 8 for Collins. And uh, in the fourth, they kind of put it away fairly quickly, even though it was not necessarily a runaway. They went to Capella plus the bench unit to start the fourth quarter, which was uh, sort of a normal thing they've been doing a little bit more recently. They had some nice flashes. I thought Capella uh, had good cut to the rim and seal it for a layup after a nice pass from right and was pretty disruptive defensively in that stretch. Uh, Lou kept going with two more buckets, had nine points actually in about four minutes when you combine that with the two-for-one that he had. Um, Cam Reddish made a three. That was a big shot with about seven minutes to go to go by 16 points. And that was noteworthy for a number of reasons. Number one, it was just a big shot in the moment and a good catch and shoot from Cam in that spot. But he had actually missed his last 13 consecutive shots. Before that, he was 0-4 in the game, 0-7 of 7 on Sunday and missed his last two in Denver. So he just needed to have one go down. Um, I will talk about this in a second when I get to the individual players. But I thought actually Cam has been playing... Better As funny as that sounds, I know somebody got uh, sort of asked me about why I talked about this last night on the podcast, but I thought Cam played better than the numbers indicated in his 0 for 7 on Sunday, and I think that's the same thing here. He's been more under control. The shots are not going in. Obviously, the finishing has been a, con- has been a concern for sure, but I think it's at least worth pointing out that he has been playing reasonably well the last couple games. just kind of staying with it himself. At any rate, they actually sat Trey Young for a long time. So, Trey sat for almost an eight and a half minutes. In the second half, And part of that was because they were playing well with the bench, but I would have liked to see him come back a little bit earlier. The Hawks did end up that run, though, almost nine minutes at plus one, so they won that stretch. That's a huge thing. And honestly, I sort of snarkily tweeted about this during the game, but it seemed like the Hawks led by about 12 to 15 points for like an hour <laughs> in the fourth quarter. In the moment, it was just taking forever, lots of stoppages. Um, and there's never really a, a run that came for orlando but they also wouldn't fade away it wouldn't go up to 20 like when it was actually over it wouldn't go down to like six where it was actually a game it was in that 11 to 15 11 to 16 range for a long long time um a couple more threes that the hawks hit one by cam and then another one later on kind of were the daggers um orlando tried to go hack a capella at one point and he actually shot three or four so they stopped doing it and yeah that was I mean not, not a lot of like Noteworthy moments in that closing period. There was some chippiness between Orlando and John Collins was chirping a lot. There were a couple of like technical fouls and weirdnesses uh, at the end of the game, but nothing in terms of a run. The bench cleared for the Hawks in the last minute. They brought in all of these uh, all of the third unit reserves, and then also the celebration was wild in the crowd when uh, Franz Wagner missed two free throws to give free Chick Fil A to the audience in Farm Arena, but. Other than that, not a whole lot of like noteworthy stuff in the fourth quarter of it because the the run never came. The Hawks did end up outscoring the Magic in both of the third and fourth quarters, and they scored 69 points after half. So, an excellent close of the game from the Hawks. It just never got really that interesting in terms of the actual score being in doubt in the fourth. Um, as for some takeaways in this game, um, both Nate McMillan and Trey Young and others said that they actually had some dead legs early on in this game, as I've sort of referenced earlier. They were playing fast and not a lot of stoppages in early in the game. There's a back-to-back for the Hawks, so they kind of had to fight through that. And McMillan was pretty pleased with the way they played, given that he thought they didn't have their legs necessarily in this spot. But he did credit their conditioning being better as a reason why they were able to sort of fight through that. But overall, the offense was really good in this game. You know, Orlando is not this great unit defensively, but they are uh, at least semi-talented on the end of the floor. The Hawks had about a 127 offensive rating, which is excellent. Um, 56% from the floor, 14 of 30 from three. Got to the line for 32 free throw attempts as well. They didn't shoot well at the line; that's worth pointing out. But the volume is, I think, more uh, more encouraging than anything else for me. They didn't take a lot of threes in the second half, which I don't necessarily love. But I got to the line a lot, to sort of balance that out in terms of efficiency. They had a season high 32 assists. In this game, 11 turnovers as well. Good ball movement, good uh, player movement, sort of a free-flowing approach to the offense. 54 points in the paint is good as well, and the bench was much better in this contest, especially Gallo and Lou gave them a lot off the bench in this game. And then the second half alone, 69 points, 61% from the floor, 7 of 11 from 3. They just kind of filled it up a lot after halftime, which was definitely beneficial. Um, Defensively, it was not that good on the whole. The Magic scored about 110 points per 100 possessions, which isn't, like, off the charts. But Orlando came in at number 27 in the league in offense. If you look at their roster, this is a pretty bad offensive team. So the numbers do not look great to me. I will say it was better after halftime. They lost the glass. In fact, the Magic had 24 second chance points on 12 offensive rebounds. So they scored... Basically, every time they had a putback, they scored in the entire game. The Hawks did force turnovers in this game, 16 of them, which is actually more than they normally would. But point-of-attack stuff was really a question, as I, as I mentioned earlier in the first half. It was kind of a thing for the whole game. I thought the penetration was a little bit too free-flowing for Orlando getting in the middle a lot. I don't think it was like the worst that I've, ever, that I've seen the Hawks play defense in this game. I thought Capella was actually good, which we'll come back to in a second. But just in general, not the best defense. Like The Magic had 30 assists in this contest. They got up 43-3s, so... If this is a better team, the Hawks might have been in some more trouble in terms of their defensive performance in this game. But uh, that's been a theme throughout the season, actually. They kind of need to be better on the perimeter, and that was the case here. But still, the offense was awesome in this game, and uh, after the way they've been playing, uh, it was encouraging to see a sort of comfortable win, even against a pretty bad opponent in Orlando. Uh, before we get into some player stuff and some takeaways and a look ahead at, at the rest of the schedule for this week, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is rockauto.com. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past, and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use RockAuto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences. And the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. rockauto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, and honestly, The prices are always reliably low for every customer, and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and much more in terms of props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. For basketball, football, baseball, postseason stuff, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, favorite casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of any of the amazing offers available to you this season because everything that you could want and much, much more is at betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Betonline, where the game starts. All right, and we'll close the podcast up with some individual breakdowns in this contest. Uh, Like I said before, the bench was encouraging on the whole in this game. They got a lot more from that bench than they have at different times this season We'll start with Solomon Hill who played the least of the bench guys who actually got real minutes in this game. You know, TLC, Scholar Mays, Sharif Cooper, Jalen Johnson only played the final minute or so. Solomon Hill did not attempt a shot in nine minutes, but he actually had a steal, he had a block, he had an assist, he had a rebound, plus six, did his job beautifully in this game. Was um, active defensively. I sort of alluded to it earlier, but they they trust him to be in the right place at the right time defensively, and that's what it comes down to. I thought he was pretty effective here, and I, I I tweeted this earlier in the day. But we now have about a you know a season and a half sample of the Hawks generally playing well when he's on the floor. I, I understand the shortcomings. The offensive stuff is certainly worth pointing out. He's not a great offensive player by any means. But the Hawks have had success um, on the whole when he plays, basically, This uh, and for a season and a half now. So um, McMillan trusts him, and that's very, very clear at this stage. Um, elsewhere, I guess I'll just note that Gorgie Jane did not play at all. Um, that was interesting to me. I know I was talking to Kevin Schardt about this during the game as well. Uh, I can kind of go either way on this one. Honestly, I think Jang deserves to play in terms of just his overall play has been fine this season. Uh, I also think that, you know, mashup stuff and the way that they're sort of staggering now, I can see why they wouldn't want to play him sometimes, but um, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. I think he's one of their 10 best players that's available right now, but whether that means he's going to play is something that's uh, entirely different in terms of a night-to-night evaluation. Uh, DeLon Wright was very solid in this game. Five points, five assists, had a block, and a rebound um, made both of his shot attempts from the floor. One of one on threes. Did, did miss two free throws in this game, as most of the Hawks did not shoot well at free throw line. Uh, but I thought Wright was very good. Just solid across the board, making winning pl- making winning plays. Uh, Lou Williams had a good scoring night. Eleven points, five of seven from the floor, two rebounds, and an assist. Did three turnovers and definitely had some hiccups along the way defensively. But this is the kind of stuff that Lou has to do to earn playing time. Is just kind of give you these stretches. And for him, it was the third, at the end of the third, into the fourth quarter when he was the best offensive player on the floor for the Hawks in like a four minute stretch. And just like Gallo, they had to kind of drive with that kind of stretch. And he was able to do that in this game. Uh, Gallo, speaking of Gallo, 10 points, eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block, plus 16 for Gallonari in 28 minutes. Um, didn't score in the second half, but honestly, I thought he had the most juice that he's had uh, this season. Played decent defense for him. Um, was. Comfortable with the ball in his hands, rebounded the ball well in this game. Three assists, moved the ball, and uh, just a nice, solid across-the-board night from Gallinari. Of course, headlined by the scoring barrage that he had in the first half, but still not just that. He was a positive contributor overall. And then Cam Reddish, 45 um, minutes, did have 8 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. The team was plus 9 when he was playing. 2-6 uh, two, two from the floor, 2-4 from 3, and it was uh he made, he made his last two shots after missing his first four. You know, you can definitely see highs and lows with Cam. The finishing has been uh, pretty brutal the last couple of weeks around the rim. But I think he's been playing within himself, not not forcing a lot of bad jumpers. Um, defensively made a couple nice plays uh, rotationally in this game. Pretty active, got some, got some uh, deflections, hands in passing lanes, etc. I thought he played a reasonably solid game despite the slow start offensively. Um, to the starters in this game, Kevin Herter played 60 minutes because he left the game early. Um, played fine before he left. Four points, five rebounds, two assists in the first half. Um, took five shots, two of five from the floor, um, two of four on twos, and 0 of one on threes. Uh, wasn't like his absolute best nor his worst. He was just kind of solid um, across the board. And the other four starters all scored 20 points or more. Wigdanovich um, had a season-high 20 points, four assists for him as well. Shot it well, 7-1 from the floor, 4-8 of eight on threes, so 3-3 three three on twos. Um, you know, he's not quite still at the level where he's um, as aggressive as he was last season in terms of hunting his own shot, but I think that uh, Bogey played fairly well offensively. I will say defensively, it's still been a struggle on the perimeter, and I think he is one of the chief culprits of that, but um, offensively, it was going to see him play well in this game. Click Capella, I think this is the best game he's played all year, honestly. A, uh, not a career high, a season high, 20 points for Capella, but 16 rebounds as well. Three steals, two blocks, three assists, eight Knight from the floor. Just a well-rounded night overall. He was active on the glass. He's looking more springy offensively around the rim, defensively doing his job, walling off the paint. Yes, it was not a great defensive game, but in this game, I think he was not really the reason why. It was more of a perimeter crash than um, actually him struggling. So is he like all the way back? We'll see. But I think Capella certainly showed more in the last three games before this. And I think actually played like, legitimately well in this game. So that's good to see from the Hawks because they're going to need him to be at their absolute best this season. And then Young and Collins, as usual, were very good in this game. Collins, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, plus 2. Got to the line 14 times, a career high. And free throws made with 11, and free throws attempted with 14. He was very aggressive. He was definitely chirping with the guys in Orlando in the fourth quarter. Seemed to be having fun. Um, you know, he's been playing exceptionally well this season. That was the, that was the case in this game. The only thing was like a lack of rebounds for him, but uh, not really the, because he wasn't playing hard or anything. He was uh, he was quite good again in this game. And then Trey Young, just kind of uh, a solid game for him. It wasn't like he was dominant. He had 23 points, six assists, four rebounds. Um, Plus 18, though, uh, defensively had some nice moments along the way. Um, 9 of 21 on on field goal attempts, so uh, 6 of 14 on twos, 3 of 7 on threes. It wasn't like the same dominant level of offensive production that he had on Sunday, but it's totally fine when this is like a B-minus game for him. Uh, And that's obviously very, very strong overall play. So the balance was good. Again, 32 assists is a season high for the Hawks. They, They passed the ball very well is free-flowing free in nature offensively. That was one of the pros, if you want to try to be positive about the DeAndre Hunter injuries, that um, at least at the moment this season he's been sort of stopping the ball at times and the shot profile stuff has not been his best. So I think we've seen a little bit more free-flowing offense last two games. They still need Hunter for sure to be back and be healthy and he'll help the defense for sure. But um, definitely if you're, if you're trying to see the, the positives, that could be one of them at this point in time. Um, obviously the Herder injury is now lingering. We'll see if he's available to play on Wednesday. If he's not available to play on Wednesday, Bucks has some interesting decisions to make. Um, how much you want to lean on Solo, how much you want to lean on guys like Lou and DeLon right off the bench, etc. But we'll hopefully have more information on that on Tuesday evening. we we'll get into that on our next podcast. But that'll do it for today. Obviously, a nice little bounce-back win. Um, I would say set of wins on Sunday and Monday for the Hawks. And uh, Wednesday, they will see the Boston Celtics coming to town. Boston is not playing incredibly well. They played in Cleveland tonight. They did win on the road in Cleveland, so they've been showing up a little bit better at times, but they're, I think they're 7-7 and on the season. Yeah, they're 7-7 and on the season, so um, the Hawks should be favored in that game if they're at, at reasonable health, and we'll see how they play in that spot. They're obviously better. Uh, the Celtics are better than the Magic, so more of a test there, but... Uh, Interesting measuring stick, I'll say, on Wednesday. we'll have plenty of wall to wall coverage the entire week. So please stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. And we'll see you next time.